Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by a guy who's coming off recording a near three hour patron cast with Brian for the patrons of Keeping Carlson. But figured, hey, let's also record that Florida Panthers intro as well so we can get this episode out. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky. And of course, like, just kidding, I'm not your host today. It's going to be Ben Burnett once again taking the mic to talk to David Dwork all about the Florida Panthers. This is going to be a really interesting interview. The Panthers, one of the best teams in the league last year. Super disappointing early playoff exit. But what are you going to do when you're playing the juggernaut Tampa Bay Lightning? But yeah, Ben and David talked all about this now somewhat revamped Panthers team with Hubert Doe out, Matthew Kachuk in. Uh, so they'll get into all of that in just a sec. Of course, first, let me mention a couple things. Keeping Carlson very proudly presented by DauberHockey.com. You got to check out that guide. It's a mainstay every single year, and you can get that at Dauber Hockey. Also, the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League is going to be starting its slow drafts in like a few weeks. Like we're basically there, and if you want to play, in our ultimate league you still can because registration is open until september 8th so all you need to do is become a patron of keeping carlson if you sign up right now you could also go and get that fresh new patron cast that we just dropped it was a really fun episode where the patrons just dropped so many questions on brian and i we have a rule we keep going until every question is answered and you heard me on the show being like brian i gotta get to this picnic this pre-wedding picnic that i've been inviting to i was super late for that picnic and, well, whatever, you know, I got the food. Well, how many times can you say congratulations to the various family members? But yeah, we had that great show, and I think you're really going to like that if you haven't heard of Patron Cast before. And then, yeah, the main event, the couple. Once you're a patron, you're eligible to join our Ultimate League, where we have designed everything out the wazoo to make sure it's going to be the most fun league you ever play. And you got to check it out, play against the best after having beaten all the rest, or whatever cool slogan I haven't come up with. So so yeah, just go to keepingcarls.com slash patron to sign up for all of that. And you could find the rules for the couple and all the information over at kkupfl.com. But okay, with that, let's learn about what's going on in Florida. So take it away, Ben. Very excited for your conversation with David Dork about the Panthers. Enjoy. Welcome back to Keeping Carlson for another installment of the Beat Writer interview series. I am your host for tonight's show, Ben Burnett, and joining me uh, to talk Florida Panthers, we have David Dwork of WPLG Local 10. David, welcome to the show. I appreciate you having me on, Ben. It's very exciting to have you here, David. I know that uh, when it comes to Florida Panthers updates and and following from a fantasy perspective, you are you are generally the person to follow. That's that's who I go to if I'm looking for a you know a goalie start or or a line tweet something like that. Um, how long have you been uh, covering the the Panthers at this point? Uh, I've been covering them for oh man uh for about a decade i don't know the exact number of years it's been a while i've been i've been on the day-to-day beat this is going to be my fourth season doing uh daily coverage but i've been uh covering 
covering the team for a while. Yeah. And so this year, uh, I would expect that it'll be a little bit different with the departure of Jonathan Huberdeau. I, I usually don't start these interviews talking about a player who's left, but I think it's tough not to talk about Huberdeau, um, given how strong his play was and how much his offensive skills have really given the team um, a two-dimensional, a two-pronged attack with with the Barkov and Huberto lines being able to be split up and, and Huberto being one of the very few wingers who can carry his own uh, scoring line without the team's best center. Um, I guess starting, I, I wanted to start on the power play here and, and talk about how Huberto being gone might impact the, the Panthers because guys like Reinhardt and Barkov have been you know, made a lot of, made a lot of, uh, have been taking advantage of, of playing with a Huberto over the, well, the past year with Reinhardt and the past few with, with Barkov. How, um, how do you see the Panthers replicating their success last year without him in the lineup? Uh, in terms of the power play, you mean Ben? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's interesting to think uh, it's just a team that's got so many options because like you're, mm. you're removing Huberto from the equation, you're adding Matthew Kachuk. I would assume that Kachuk will probably get a look at net front uh, just because he's so skilled around the net. Um, the, the the role Huberto plays, which is basically he, most for the most part, he was on the left wing. Uh, at times when Aaron Ekblad was healthy, uh, they would rotate around a little bit. Um and then they also moved, they also switched sides when, um, when the Panthers got Claude Giroux uh, at the end of last season. But um, the way that I'm kind of seeing it play out uh, with a healthy Aaron Eckblad, uh, who, yeah, he'll play the point as a defensive, but he'll, he'll be on, he'll be on the half boards just as much as he's on the blue line when the Panthers, well, I, and you know what? I got to stop myself right there because there I am <laughs> uh, analyzing uh, past coaches power play. Yeah. Right. Uh, when we're going to, we're going to see, most likely somewhat of a different look this year. Um, what I would assume is going to happen. I don't know if Paul Maurice is going to do a one defenseman or a two defenseman power play. Um, and, you know, last year there were times when we saw the Panthers going with five forwards uh, when Aaron Eckblad was out of the lineup. So uh, the, the way that Paul Maurice uh, puts out the, the squad is going to be uh, a little bit, is going to play a little bit into how the results are going to come. I imagine the Panthers power play will be productive regardless, just because they've got so many weapons. But uh, even the first unit I would think is going to look like uh, Barkov on one side, Kachuk net front, uh, Reinhardt bumper, because he was so good in that role last year. Uh, really one of the best I've seen uh, since you, know, you started seeing uh, that style of power play with uh, with a man in the middle. Um, and then what I say, Barkov, Reinhardt, Ekblad, uh, Kachuk, and... Uh, I mean, you could see maybe an Anthony Duclair getting out there, Carter Verhage, uh, Sam Bennett, perhaps. Uh, there are some options on that power play one. Um, I mean, even, you know, you could think uh, Gus Forsling, you know, and go, or not, excuse me, Gus Forsling. Uh, well, for a defenseman, Gus Forsling may be on power play too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the I meant to say Anton Lindell uh, going mm-hmm. into his second season, he could get a look. Uh, he's very skilled and, you know, he'll be another year matured. So we could see him doing some damage on the power play as well. So there's really so many options that the Panthers have to throw at you. Um, it, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see how Paul Maurice uh, deploys them. And so you mentioned, yeah, Paul Maurice is the other sort of wild card here that it, the Panthers were so offensively talented last year, leading the league in goals. Obviously they have a lot of strong players and and replacing Jonathan Huberto is tough. Obviously, Matthew Kachuk brings a different element, but he's also a very skilled offensive forward as well. Um, 
Maurice in Winnipeg uh, was kind of frustrating at points. I know for, for fans of the jets uh, would sometimes be really stubborn with lineup change choices. Sorry. Um, often having Nikolai Ehlers on power play two. Uh, do you have a sense of how he's likely to roll the lineup at even strength or are you expecting them to come into camp and sort of let the chips fall? Uh, I, I would think that being it's a new coach and, uh, there's a for the you know there's a few new players there you know there's gonna be you know four or five new guys and along with Matthew Matthew Kitchuk, you got Rudolph Balkers and you got uh, Colin White Nick Cousins so you know there's gonna be a few new faces but I would imagine um, what I would think anyway is you keep Barkov and Kachuk on separate lines the way that you kept uh, Barkov and Huberto on separate lines just to to stretch it out a bit more to give yourself a, a wild card to play when you need that offensive bolt to put them together. Um, but I would think when we get to training camp, um, you know, one of the things I'm going to look out for in terms of the forward lines, obviously it's going to be, you know, where the two stars line up, uh, you know, Barkov's going to be center one. Um, you wonder uh, if there's going to be any kind of a battle for the second center spot, which had been Sam Bennett's since he arrived. But, uh, you know, the guy I mentioned before, Anton Lindell, could certainly make a case for bumping up into the top six because uh, the Panthers are going to be a team that their top nine is going to be good enough, you know, to be most teams' top six. Uh, they're, they're a deep squad, even even with, you know, losing the Giroux and, and uh, Huberto and all that. Um, but something I'm going to be curious to see in the defensive element is who gets – Weeder spot with Aaron Ekblad. Is it going to be Gus Forsling? Mm-hmm. A, you know, natural fit, righty. You know, Ekblad's a righty, Forsling's a lefty. Um, you wonder if that's going to be a, kind of a, a opportunity for a breakout year for Gus Forsling, who's looked so good uh, in his time in South Florida. And uh, between potentially getting power play time, if he supplants Brandon Montour on that second power play, um, thinking he's going to get those top line, uh, top pairing minutes, uh, Gus Forsling certainly is somebody that uh, I, I keep an eye on. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, Florida was one of those rare teams that had two very decent defensemen uh, for fantasy because you kind of do need the ability to put up points in order to to be valuable as a defenseman unless you are going to be. Obviously, I guess they also had Radko Gudash, which is a, a, a somebody who you want to have on your team if you ha- if you count hits or penalty minutes. So, um, but from a from an offensive perspective, they were a team that's dominant enough to to have a couple of defensemen who can put up forty or forty five points. So, it's interesting to hear you uh, sort of. I'm I'm looking at Gustav Forsling late in drafts at this point because I think that upside is is fairly tantalizing. Um, It'd be a little bit nicer if he filled up all the categories. He doesn't, he's not really a hit guy. That's right. uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him put a few more shots on goal. I mean, last year he did have, I think I want to say like around 150 shots on goal um, for a guy that played uh, 70 or 71 games. Um, So, you know, he'll put the puck on net, but um, again, I think, you know, the increased ice time and opportunity, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand with his confidence growing. So I'm, I'm very anxious to see if he does take another step forward the way we've seen him continue to do. Uh, Cause again, he's just 25 years old. Well, and usually I, I guess I'm going to jump to defense now just cause we're talking Forsling and it, you mentioned potentially seeing him uh, play next to Aaron Ekblad. And I guess my question about Ekblad was going to be about usage because he has just seen monster minutes the last few seasons and um, he hasn't 
been able to stay healthy into the playoffs the past two years either. Um, do you see uh, a potential where Paul Maurice maybe dials back on Ekblad's minutes, or do you see reason to worry, or is it maybe just a coincidence that that, that happened the past two years? Yeah, I don't think, uh, I think we're talking about apples and oranges in terms mm-hmm. of uh, Ekblad's usage and the injuries. Mm-hmm. Both of them were total freak injuries that, you know, where uh, like his, you know, the one in Dallas a couple of years ago, his leg kind of got caught under him as he came off the boards. The Brutal. one in uh, in Anaheim last year, uh, you know, a player, I think it was Barkov actually got, I think he got tripped up and he, he just kind of like came into Ekblad's legs from a weird angle. Uh, so I, and Ekblad to his part, I mean, this is a guy who's 25 years old also. Um, and he's, he's probably chomping at the bit for more minutes because of all the time <laughs> he's missed over the last two seasons. Right. And, and Paul Maurice, uh, one thing that I noticed about his teams in Winnipeg was the best teams he had were with Dustin Bufflin as mm. a very mobile, very active defenseman. Now he's got who I, you know, Aaron Ekblad, who might be better than Bufflin was in his prime as Ekblad enters his prime years. Uh, so it's it's just another weapon for Paul Maurice to use. I I'd be surprised if we see his minutes dialed back at all. I mean, this is an elite defenseman entering you know, the very prime years of his career. And he's probably got a little bit more tread on his tires than he should because of all the time he missed the last couple of seasons. So I, I would think it would be green lights uh, all the way for Aaron Ekblad. I'm happy to hear that. No, it's uh, Ekblad's one of those players who his emergence over the past few years as into one of the premier defensemen in the league has been, uh, has been really fun to watch. Um, up front uh, for the, on the, we mentioned Barkov and Kachak already. And I guess, it definitely makes sense to split them up and to to try and continue the success that the Panthers had with two uh, two premier elite talents on the top two lines. But I guess when you look at the success that Matthew Kachuk had in particular last year with the career season, puts up 104 points playing with Goudreau and Elias Lindholm. He was more of a 70 point player uh, heading into last year, like the, the, the few seasons before that, I guess I'm just wondering if, um, if you think that he'll be able to, to put up or, or if he needs to even put up the, the 100 point pace that he, he hit last year, if he's playing on a second line in Florida. It's, it's such a, uh, like a wild card filled thing when you try to try to pinpoint what to expect. From sure. Matthew Chuck is because there's so many different elements, right? Because he's just 24 years old. He he just had his you know his big breakout season. He'd already been a very good player, but at 24 years old, he has this hundred point year. He scores you know 40 some odd goals, whatever it was. Um, and you, as you said, he was on a line with two extremely talented line mates in uh, Johnny Hockey and Elias Lindholm in Florida. He may he could be on a line with Sasha Barkov, or he could be centered by you know uh, Sam Bennett. He could be on a line with Anthony Duclair. He could be on a line with Carter Verhage, uh, Sam Reinhart. There's so many options, like not at the level as a Gaudreau or Lindholm, you know, aside from Barkov and maybe Reinhart. Um, but again, without knowing the growth, what to expect in that regard from Kachuk, because I, I would think that he's still improving at just 24 years old, right? Like he's, he's still the best hockey should be ahead of him. So is he going to be a guy like what you mentioned earlier with Huberto, uh, a, a rare winger who can drive a line the way that a center can. Uh, I, he appeared at times like he could do it last year, but again, there was, there's only so much puck to go around with that line. So I think that would be something that at least Paul Maurice is going to test drive 
and see, you know, how reliant he might be because, you know, to Chuck, he, you know, he had 40 goals or whatever it was last year, but he still had over 60 assists, you know, Jonathan Huberto had, you know, like 10,000 assists or whatever it was, but, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's going to be a different dynamic and there's going to have to be adjustments on Kachuk's side as well, uh, depending on who he lines up with. So um, that's one of the big things that I'm anxious to get to training camp, just to see exactly uh, kind of like get into Paul Maurice's head a little bit and see how he goes, wants to deploy it, these guys and, uh, and see if he toys with it during training camp or if he tries to really let them stay together and gel um, that, you know, I feel like if I was a coach, I would make my decision and stick with it and let the guys get going. But, you know, I'm not a coach. I am a goalie who, you know, let's, <laughs> yeah, a goalie. Enough said, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we uh, we don't try to predict or predict what goalies will say or do or think at, at this point on in fantasy because uh, you know you never really know what's coming from a goaltender. Um, I guess the thing with Kachuk and and the thing about losing a player like Huberto, you're losing one of the truly special playmakers in the league, but you're adding like one of the, like maybe a unicorn in terms of a player who can do just about everything. Like you could see Matthew Kachuk putting up 80 points rather than a hundred next year from the second line and being a more valuable all around player. And, and the way that his, his uh, game impacts the Panthers up front could just wind up being, you know, this could be an upgrade for the Panthers as soon as next year, uh, you know, much less the like next seven years of the contracts uh, compared to the, you know, the aging curve obviously favors Kachuk there. And I think it's, you know, like there's such different players that, you know, to compare them like man to man is it's almost silly because they Mm. play such different styles of hockey. Um, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, what the Panthers ended up doing was they got, an extremely talented player, perhaps one equally talented as Jonathan Huberto is Mm -hmm. who's five years younger, who they signed for cheaper. Cause I think Jonathan Huberto, the contract he got in Calgary was pretty, uh, pretty similar to what he would have been offered here in South Florida. Um, I think he would have gotten more than Barkov did. Barkov got 10 million AAV. So I I think just, it, it makes sense across the board. If the Panthers, they, you know, they ask themselves, do we believe Matthew Kachuk is going to get better? It's continue to get better. Uh, the answer was obviously yes, because they made this move and they made a very, uh, you know, substantial commitment straight away. Um, and I, I think that's really what it comes down to uh, with these two guys, like the success from this point on. And when you look at, you know, just the basic facts of you've got a younger guy who's still ascending and you've got Jonathan Huber, who's in his prime, he's 29. But, you know, when his contract expires, he's going to be in his late 30s. Whereas when mm-hmm. Kachuk's contract expires, uh, you know, he's going to be only you know, two and a half years older than Huberto is right now. So it just made, it makes perfect sense from a Panther standpoint to, to make this trade. Absolutely. The, uh, the tough one is losing Uyghur, as you mentioned, but I, I can absolutely see why you go after a player like Kachuk because they're almost never available at that age and, and, you know, coming out of their RFA deal and, and being able to lock them up through their prime for, for that deal. Um, looking a little further down the lineup, I want to talk about Sam Reinhardt and Anton Lindell together because, well, you know, after the slow start for Reinhardt, just 21 po- or 12 points in his first 21, he finishes on this incredible pace, tops a point per game for the first time in his career um, and plays next most of his minutes next to Lindell, who I think does not get nearly enough respect for 
his very, very solid rookie season, posts 44 points in 65 games, paces for 55 points, really, really solid for a 20-year-old kid. And their line mates for most of the season was Mason Marchment, who obviously destroyed the modest expectations he had last year, uh, breaks out as a 71-point pace as a 27-year-old. I'm wondering how important you think Marchment was to Lindell and Reinhardt's success because his departure for Dallas in the offseason is kind of lost in the shuffle with with the departure of Huberto and Uyghur. Yeah, that line, you know, maybe, you know, the last quarter, third of the season was the Panthers' most consistent line. Uh, and it's funny because you mentioned uh, Reinhardt's struggles out of the gate when he actually started the season on that top line with Barkov mm-hmm. and for Haiti. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with you that Anton Lindell, and look, you know, he's he's a 20 year old rookie on a Panthers team that's stacked with big names. So he's you know, mm-hmm. going to get lost in the shuffle a little bit. Um, but I, I think this is somebody who's going to open a lot of eyes as more people start paying attention to the Panthers. Uh, he's going to continue to show up more and more. Uh, I mean, look, this kid just uh, he's going to turn 21 uh, this season. Uh, he He's so young and he's so mature. Uh, and something that you didn't mention, an amazing 200 foot game. Uh, this is somebody right. who's just as good in the defensive zone as he is in the offensive zone. So um, to answer your question, uh, it could Marchman's departure could impact the line just because he was such a physical element that's really hard to replace. And they're probably not going to replace it on that line. Uh, well, unless you see a Reinhardt Lundell Kachuk line, which you very well could, um, that'd be a hell of a second line. And then yeah. that would, that would be <laughs> I hadn't the, even put that about that. I was kind of expecting you to say Barkov Kachuk sticking together to, or uh, being put together to start the year, but that to me sounds like an upgrade for these two. No, and you could see like bar, top line Barkov Verhage Duclair, which would then leave you with uh, what Sam Bennett. Uh, who am I, who am I leaving out? Sam, uh, there's always a forward that that's lost in the shuffle. Um, it, I mean, Colin be... White would be, would be in that mix. Um, Balkers would be in that mix. Mm. Hornquist would be in that mix. Yeah. The, the Panthers are pretty stacked. <laughs> it's true. Despite the the players that they've, they've lost out on this offseason, they maintain a ton of fantasy relevant players. Uh, we're going to talk about a few more of them in just a second. You're listening to keeping Carlson. Welcome back to Keeping Carlson. David Dwork is here with us, and we are chatting Florida Panthers. We are talking about a couple of, uh, we're into the middle six here, and we're talking about players now who you could see them having a big impact, but you could also see them getting shuffled down the lineup, depending on how things break in training camp, how Paul Maurice comes in and, and likes to, to fix the lines up. Um, so we'll look next at Sam Bennett, a player who, you know, really looked like a revelation after the trade deadline in 2021, when he comes over from Calgary, puts up 20 points across 15 games in the regular season and the playoffs, uh, playing with Jonathan Huberto. And then this year in a full season in Florida, there were definitely moments of hype. I remember in early season game where he scores a hat trick and it looked like Bennett might be an, an emerging star for this team, but on aggregate, when you look through the full season, definitely there were ups and downs here and stretches where he looked more like the complimentary player in the top nine that he was in in Calgary. Of course, he still puts up a 57-point pace, a, a very solid season for Sam Bennett. And somebody who you know shoots and hits is going to fill categories for you in fantasy. Um, but just like Carter Verhage, who we'll talk about in a second, really struggled down the stretch. Uh, just post 23 points over his last 38 games. And is losing, you know, one of the the three or five best wingers in the league as far as setup men go. Um, 
David, how tough do you think it'll be for Bennett to repeat the 28 goals that he scored last year without Huberto on his wing? You know, it'd probably be pretty tough. I mean, Huberto is one of the absolute best assist men that you can have. Mm -hmm. Um, And and those two had a great chemistry. Uh, They really seem to enjoy playing with each other. Uh, from right right out the gate, as you mentioned, uh, they were finding themselves on the ice really naturally. Um, so yeah, I, that's something that I'm certainly uh, certainly on my mind heading into training camp, and that's why you know getting into there and seeing how Paul Maurice utilizes the lines, how important he might he might place uh, that emphasis on having uh, maybe more of a you know thinking more about pairing up Kitchuk and Bennett just to perhaps keep Bennett's production up. Or you try Bennett out without Kachuk and you see if he can continue to produce. I like, these are the things that we're going to have to find out. Um, and, and this is all, all having on a Panthers team. Cause you talk about like Verhage and that whole first line really struggled uh, down the stretch last season. Um, but the Panther team continued churning. They kept putting up goals so that there was no, like there was no lapse in success, even though your top guys weren't producing. And I would expect a similar trend this season where they might not score as many goals as a team, but they're not going to give up as many goals as a team either. So just in terms of having so much depth, uh, I don't think it's it's going to be as big of a deal, uh, just like it wasn't at the end of last year uh, for, for when these guys struggle. Um, but yeah, but back to, back to the Sam Bennett, um, it, that's maybe one of the biggest questions when you look at the forward unit heading into the season is just... Uh, really not knowing what to expect from Bennett because while he's been so good with the Panthers, he's been so good with Jonathan Huberto. They've mm-hmm. played together almost exclusively uh, when uh, five on five. So yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a big one. And I, I might, you know, throw a little bit of caution to the wind. You know, if, if it's my turn in the draft and I see Sam Bennett and maybe a comparable player or two, uh, you know, that's maybe like a yellow flag for me. And, and it may be a moot point. I don't know, but it's just a question mark that certainly I'd at least be paying attention to uh, during my draft. Well, and you mentioned too the the physicality that Mason Marchment brought to that line with an, the Anton Lundell line. And to me, as somebody who doesn't watch as many uh, as many Panthers games, Ben, it seems like another option who could who could play on the wing and, and maybe add to that team. Does that seem like a fit? Like it, it feels like there are multiple options here, even if none of them are going to, to put Bennett in a position to put up 60 points. I I mean, that's something that you could consider. I mean, you know, if you move Bennett to the wing, uh, you can move Sam Reinhardt to center, uh, you know, potentially, Um, you know, the Panthers do have a really good fourth line center in Ito Lusterainen, who I, I don't think gets any attention and, you know, fantasy wise, he's certainly not a player that would really be on your radar unless you're in a ridiculously deep league. Um, but just in terms of like the talent on the Panthers roster and the depth they have down the middle, um, Lusterinen was maybe one of the most consistent uh, in, in terms of just responsible hockey. And this is a fourth line guy. Uh, I, I, th- I thought the minutes that he provided for the Panthers last season were invaluable. So um they they probably have some comfort a comfort level I would think the coaching staff would have mm-hmm. in toying with you know if if you wanted to go a route like that and try out uh, Bennett on a wing maybe move Reinhardt to center um, I'd be surprised if I saw it but it's it's certainly not crazy it's not you know out of the realm of possibility if I did see it it would you know they've done it before so um, yeah that, that that'd be an interesting uh, wrinkle if they do throw it out there. 
Listerine into one of the most fun names to say in the NHL, <laughs> I feel. Um, you know, first, first name and last name, just a very solid all-around uh, player to talk about. Um, speaking of Carter Verhage, a player who really broke out uh, after joining the Panthers um, it, two seasons ago, I guess now, and last year looked as though he was going to continue the strong play um, through the first 60 games of the season. He's pacing for 65 points. And then he really falls off in the last 18 games or so, just eight points over that stretch, drags his season-long pace to 55 points. You mentioned the top line struggling down the stretch, David. Um, any any cause that, that you saw for, for Heggie's fall in play? No, I mean, nothing Nothing that jumped out at me. Uh, they all, you know, I, I'd, I'd be guessing if I, you know, maybe they were... Mm-hmm. Taking, you know, maybe they were taking it a little easy down the stretch or, you know, it may have been it, honestly, like, I'd just be guessing because there was nothing obvious. There were no injuries or anything like that. Like when the season ended uh, and, you know, you, you start hearing about all the, the injuries that every team has once they're done, Panthers didn't really have anything. Um, mm-hmm. So, and, and to his credit, Carter Verhage, uh, you know, he was, he basically won that first round series against mm-hmm. the Capitals for the Panthers uh what was it like three straight game winning goals the two overtime goals uh he he, he was fantastic um but and you know when i talked about carter, carter Hagee, like i always say when i watch him play the the word that always just flashes across my mind constantly is tenacious tenacity like he's mm. he's one of these guys that's just got a motor that doesn't stop and when you see like him getting the results that he's been getting it is 100 as a result of this kid's hard work uh, he's busting his ass every shift he's out there. And that's why it's tough when he struggles. Uh, you know, that whole, when that first line struggled, because Sasha Barkov, I mean, he's going 110% every shift he's out there. Uh, Carter Verhades, similarly, uh, it's, you always see them just grinding, grinding away. They never shy away from boards battle or, or anything like that. You know, they're always uh, hauling ass back uh, into the defensive. You know, Barkov obviously is one of the best defensive forwards in the league. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of expectations for Verhage, like I, I would think he'd probably, you know, be, you know, 25, 20, 25 goal, hopefully, you know, gets over the 60 point hump, gets into mm-hmm. that range. But, um, you know, it, it's just, it's really going to depend on, you know, and the other thing that with the Panthers team is uh, forward line minutes being as deep as they are, uh, you, you see them rolling three lines, four lines a lot. Um, so maybe those top six don't get that extra two or three shifts a game that you see on other teams uh, as well. So, you know, there, there's a lot to, to take into account when you're when you're thinking about the Panthers forwards. Yeah, no, and it, it, it makes sense. I, I do think that it, it it makes a lot of sense for them to continue with the the Verhage Barkov tandem just because they've been so strong together. But you could also see a situation where Verhage is a natural fit in that Huberto spot that that's opening up here. Um, a little bit more skill than than a Sam Bennett, I, I feel like in that role. Yeah, it's interesting. And look, I, I feel like when when you start throwing around these options, like just you know, human nature, we're always a little you know kind of skeptical hesitant when it comes to change like oh yeah barkov mm-hmm. and and verhage has been really good for a while mm-hmm. you know let's keep that uh, things like that like i always just try to remind myself like hey it's okay if they try to do something different so so when <laughs> like so that's just it's kind of like going through my head as i'm hearing you kind of talk about these different options like my my instinctual response is like mm, no maybe just keep them together but then you think about it, it's like yeah but well you know they're all good like all these forwards are really good. <laughs> it's so, so like, true. You know, you could you know throw the pull their names out of the hat and you'd still be okay with it. So um 
yeah, I, I feel like I, I keep repeating myself, but I just keep thinking about how anxious I am to get to training camp and just finally have, you know, my questions answered and see how, what Paul Maurice is going to do with this team. And so you've mentioned Anthony Duclair a few times here and talked about him as an option on the first line. Um, the last we've heard from him is, is an Elliot Friedman report that he's he's due for a lengthy recovery from a torn Achilles this off season. Um, I don't believe we've seen a target for his return. Have you heard anything about the timeline? Yeah. The timeline, I believe uh, when he had the surgery was five to six months. Uh, I think they're at right now and it's still really early in the recovery. Uh, the, the tentative target is like, you know, late January, early February. Um, you know, if the Panthers are, you know, the, the team that they expect themselves to be, that's, you know, one of the better teams in the Atlantic division in the Eastern conference, I would imagine there's not going to be a big rush to get Duclair into the lineup to, to help the team get over any, you know, obstacles that they may be overcoming. I'm sure Duke will be chomping at the bit to get out there. Uh, Cause he, you know, he's a rink rat. He loves, he loves being on the ice. Um, but yeah, I would think, uh, you know, it, for my personal, uh, my personal target is probably like all-star weekend, you know, don't rush it, let him get back healthy, give it time. And, and you know, that, the other thing, and we keep talking about wild cards. The other thing that we really have to take into account is the Panthers cap situation. We don't know what their cap situation is going to be because even with Anthony Duclair, uh, he's going to be on long-term, long-term IR. Uh, right now the Panthers are right up against the cap. Like, Mm-hmm. Well, I'm clicking over to cat friendly here just to double check, but I'm pretty sure. Yes. They are literally against the cap. Zero is the number of cap space they have. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and and they're still going to potentially, you know, have contracts to give out. They're bringing in um, Eric Stahl on a, on a PTO to training camp. Uh, you could see him if he shows up, you know, looking anything like uh that could contribute in like what Joe Thornton role that they had last year, that veteran guy that can pop in and out of the lineup is his brother, the Panthers signed Mark Stahl. Uh, so it'd be an interesting dynamic to the locker room, but I mean, either way uh, you would think that the Panthers have moves to be made. And then, you know, as, as I said, right now they're on zero. When Duclair comes back, that's another 3 million coming on, coming onto the books. Uh, they're going to have to make use for that or make room for that somehow, whether they're going to make trades or whatever's going to have to happen. Uh moves will have to be made uh, during the season in order to accommodate for Duclair coming back. So there's, there's a lot to consider. And and that's just another reason why there's really no reason to think that they'd rush him. Like, unless the Panthers are like going down a diabolically bad stretch and are desperate <laughs> for points. And at that point in the season, which it'd be shocking if they were um, just looking at the roster. So yeah, I mean, that that's what's going into it. Um, but I would think, you know, February ish is, you know, my, my, uh, my answer to you in terms of the Duclair timetable. And also you don't want to, you don't want to rush a player like Duclair back and have him. I remember the year he broke out in Ottawa, seeing him play uh, post injury in the second half of the year. And, and it just wasn't, he was not as effective as he could be. So I definitely don't want to see them, them rush Duke back and, and have him be sort of a shell of his former self. Um, David, I've been looking forward to asking you this since you mentioned being a goalie at the start of the show, but, you know, taking it down to the nets and and looking at Sergei Bobrovsky, who 
somewhat turned back the clock last year. It looked like he was, he came into sunrise and he posted two of his worst seasons of his career. And then this most recent season, 2022, a very respectable nine thirteen save percentage saved eight goals above what an average goalie would have saved in his place. According to uh, GSAA um, based on your experience covering this team, what do you think allowed Bob to get back into that rhythm last year? Uh, I, I think it was kind of a combination of things. Uh, he kind of, in his training, uh, he kind of took a step back, simplified things a bit. Um, and his personal life, he became a father during the off season. Uh, and you know, any, anybody out there who, you know, has become a father, you know, that something, something clicks in your head, something, you know, a switch turns on. Uh, and, uh, I, I think, you know, he got off social media. His wife is off social media now. Um, I, I think he really just kind of cleared his head after two pretty, you know, two bad years by Bob standards, looking at the previous, you know, his basically his whole career. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think he just kind of hit the reset button last year. He simplified his game. He started challenging a bit more. He stopped playing so deep in the net. Um, and I think it just, as the year went on, like you saw him just looking more and more comfortable and you know, there was hiccups here and there. And I mean, for me, the way that I've kind of judged Bob's play like year one and year two, it was, you know, it was bad goals and it was not making the, the spectacular saves that you should be making when you're a goalie. That's as good as he is last year. It was a gradual improvement in both of those areas. Gradually he stopped giving up. He gave up less and less of the cheap shitty goal. Sorry if I can't swear you bleep me out there. Uh, the cheap it's fine. We'll allow it. All right. The cheap goals, right? Like he, less and less, you saw them trickling through his pads, going through it between his arm and his body, or just outright missing the puck. And then he started making a little bit more of those great sliding saves. I think he even stacked the pads once or twice last year, which is a cool little throwback. Uh, you know, his glove was much more active. Uh, and, and I think, you know, maybe it was a confidence thing. Maybe he was just kind of getting his body back to where he felt really comfortable. Um, so I can, I, I hope to God for the Panthers sake that he's continued down that path. And he shows up this year, like just as, you know, whatever he needed, whether it was being too focused or not, not focused enough or whatever it was so that he could just relax and go out there and play uh, because the Panthers are really kind of tied into this goaltending situation right now with Sergey Borovsky and Spencer Knight uh, Night, they've got some roster flexibility, at least like they did last year, where they were able to send him down if they need to, uh, just because he's he's so young, he's waivers exempt. Um, but even so, like spend if anything happens with Bob, they're gonna they're gonna at least try to hand the keys to Spencer Knight just because he's you know he's young, but he, he's their goalie of the future. And he looked you know, last year he had some hiccups, as you would expect from a 20-year-old NHL goaltender. I mean, how many guys can you say that about? You know, it's a very short list. Um but yeah, with Sergey Bobrovsky, if he comes back this year the way he finished last year, where I, you know, to this day I say he was the Panthers' best and most consistent player in the playoffs last season. Mm-hmm. Um, if if that's the Bob that the Panthers get this year, that that's a huge question erased from uh, their you know their yeah. potential what they can do. Um, if they get if they get Bob if they get Dad Bob for year two. Uh, that that's oof. you wonder like the potential of a Panthers team that has the offensive power firepower that they have. That is the coach says is going to tighten things up defensively and to have a goalie playing at his best level you know, for a 
33 year old for Sergey Bobrovsky. That, that, that's a recipe, you know, that I really like to see play out in the postseason. Is dad Bob a nickname that, that, uh, that he's received in Florida? Cause that's very, very funny. I mean, I, I don't know if he's received, if he's received it to his face. I know like some of us in the media <laughs> have, have used it. Um, I don't know if it got thrown around in any press conferences last year or not. Um, but it's, yeah, I, I don't know if you heard that one or not. Just Bob is just so, he's so oblivious to that stuff. Uh, right. Even in his press conferences, like he's, he's, he's just a, he's a different breed. Uh, even for, for, and this is a goalie saying this about a fellow goalie. Mm-hmm. He, he's a, he is, he's a different breed. The Russian goalies, they, they, there's something about those guys. They are fascinating. They are so good at what they do. And yet, I mean, you remember like Ilya, Ilya Brzezgalov, like, in that's terms- where my head went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That, that's the OG um, in terms of just so, such interesting Russian goaltenders. Um, For sure. We need a little bit more personality in this new breed, the new generation yeah. of the Sorokin and the Shostyorkin and the uh, Samsonov that we need to get a, we need to get some, uh, some goofiness going at that. Yeah. No, I, back in the day between like uh, Nikolai Habibulin, <laughs> just such fun goalies in the lead um, at that time. But now, Oh man, the, the Russian goalie school is really pretty impressive. The, the three yeah. guys you just mentioned are going to be three of the best goalies in the league for a long time coming. Yes, that's that's absolutely right. Um, we've talked through uh, basically the whole team now. The only thing that left I wanted to ask you, David, is about prospects. I know that Grigory Denisenko is kind of largely considered the the Panthers' number one prospect in the pipeline. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what you might, when we might expect to see him and, and what you see his role on this team eventually being? Oh, that's, that's a really good question is, uh, last year was the year that I would have expected him to maybe show up a little bit more mm-hmm. in the NHL. Um, he suffered a really bad knee injury. I think he shattered his kneecap, uh, playing in the AHL last January. Um, so he's just now like getting back to hundred percent. I think he'll be good to go. You know, there shouldn't be any limitations for him for training camp. And I mean, it's really going to just depend on where he's at, uh, how well he can produce Because really when he's been given an opportunity, uh, with the Panthers, he, he like, and I, I watch him very closely, like he disappears on the ice. So he's just, he's not at the level yet where he's able to carry himself through the NHL. Uh, the way that you saw like a, a guy like Alexi Heponiemi, who's been around, you know, pro pro hockey in North America for, I think a, a year more than, than a Cinco. Um, and he's smaller. I mean, Alexi Heponiemi is, is like five, seven, five, eight. He's a tiny dude, but he was showing up last year in the NHL. I think he scored his first goal was like an overtime winner in Detroit, if I'm not mistaken. And he was giving some good minutes, noticeable minutes. And when Alexi Heponiemi is impressing me more than Gregory Denisenko, you know, it, it's kind of cat takes me, you know, causes me to take a, take a step back and really mm-hmm. think about what the expectation should be with Denisenko. Um, so for that reason, I really don't know what to expect. I'm uh, my bar is going to be pretty low just based on what I've seen when he was healthy. And the fact that he's coming off a serious knee injury. Um, I mean, look, we've saw what he did like in world juniors when he was with team Russia before right. uh, he went pro, like he's a very skilled player and he's, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Like he, you never saw that guy when he was wearing a Panther sweater. Um, if he can get back to playing like that, then the sky's the limit for him. I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, he showed signs of that in Springfield. Um, but we need to see it at this level. Maybe this will be the year he takes that step forward. I know the Panthers are hoping he is, he does. And I know that there's opportunities to be won in training camp. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of question marks around it. 
and anyone else who stands out to you as a player in the the Panthers prospect uh, pipeline who who you see as as having an impact or or maybe becoming somebody who should be on fantasy managers uh, radars? Uh I mean, in terms of fantasy, probably not anytime soon. I mean, the mm. Panthers have some have some talented guy like Justin Sardif. Uh, he's going to be entering his first pro season this year after absolutely tearing up the WHL. Um, so he's somebody that you at least got to keep an eye on. Uh, look, it, it's not unheard of for a guy to be put up ridiculous numbers in junior and it not translate to the NHL. But again, when you put up eye popping numbers, you have to at least you know put a pin in that. So uh, Justin Sardif is a name I would at least keep an eye on for a while. Um, and see if he ends up developing like that. And then, uh, you know, I mentioned Alexi Heponiemi. I would think he's probably next in line. He and Denisenko will probably be the ones that get a good look. And uh, Logan Hutzko is somebody who, uh, he was really good at Boston College, just a really smart, skilled hockey player who uh, he started to take off a bit when, when he really got healthy uh, in the AHL last year. So perhaps somebody that could uh, sneak into a, a an NHL job and, and do some damage uh, you know he's 23 years old so he's right at that that age level where you know if you're going to make you're going to finally make that NHL jump he's about where he needs to be to do it so um but yeah the the Panthers the upper echelon of their pipeline is you know probably not as impressive as other teams because they've spent so many of their assets building up their NHL roster excellent david you've answered all my questions i really appreciate you uh you coming on to keeping Carlson and, and uh, chatting Panthers with us again this uh, off season. We really appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to join the show. Where can uh, people find your work online? Uh, my written work right now, it goes on local 10.com here in South Florida. Well, you can access it anywhere because that's, you know, how the internet works. <laughs> um, but uh, I've got the chirping the cats podcast, which I'll be putting more uh, consistent episodes out during the season. Right now I'm, I'm leaning into the off season a little bit and I've, uh, been a little skimpish on the podcast, but I've got that and that'll be going in during the season. And uh, for all my pa- daily coverage of the Panthers, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at David Dwork. That's D-W-O-R-K. Excellent. And you know what? You deserve those those uh, to, to skimp through the offseason because it is about to be a, a marathon here, not a sprint. It's a, it's a, long, a long NHL season. So uh, looking forward to having that content return and to, uh, to following you along with the Panthers this coming season, David. I appreciate it, Ben. And uh, thanks again for the invite and having me on. It was a good chat.